I'm Stu Buchanan, and you're listening to Out From Under, a programme which celebrates experimental and eclectic Australian music. Throughout the course of this series, we're going to be talking to Australian artists and record labels about their work, their practice and their output, and playing exclusive material, specially commissioned mixes and new releases. On this week's programme, we're talking with Andrew Kaduri, the founder of Sydney-based project Long Form Editions. Andrew is well known in Sydney as the former music director of community radio station 2SER. Uh, 2SER is one of Sydney's most loved independent stations. It's responsible for promoting specialist music and celebrating radical culture for the best part of 40 years. Andrew is also recognised as the label manager for Preservation, a label that gained international acclaim for its meticulously well-crafted roster of innovative music, as well as its impeccable attention to design and packaging, realised through a partnership with renowned Australian designer Mark Gowing. In 2018, Andrew and Mark collaborated on a brand new project titled Long Form Editions. Now, unlike Preservation, Long Form Editions is not a traditional record label as such. It is instead a project described by Andrew as a collective for deep listening. The format for the project is this, four releases every two months, released exclusively on digital. Each artist is given a loose brief to create an exploratory and immersive piece around 20 or 30 minutes in length. Style and genre and instrumentation are all up for grabs, steered only by Andrew's curatorial choices rather than any prescriptive approach to form. In a moment, I'll be talking to Andrew about the Long Form Editions project, and throughout the programme, we're going to hear music from a number of Australian artists in the collective, such as Kate Carr, Felicity Mannion, Paul Mack, and Andy Ranson. And in the second half of the programme, we'll be hearing a Long Form Editions piece in its entirety, a composition from Sydney artist and musician Del Lumanta, performing as Steam Vent. This is an introduction to the deep listening world of Long Form Editions, on out from under. Let's start by giving a little bit of a tail end of preservation that leads into long form editions. Now you, you ran preservation for what 16 17 years or so. Yeah, well um, I'm still running it really. Right. Like it still exists. I mean, I'm looking at it in the same way Fugazi look at their career. They're on indefinite hiatus. Long form editions is something that Mark and I really wanted to chase. Um things have changed in our lives you know i have a family now um we have bigger work commitments i changed jobs in the last 12 months so this was just something for us that we'd been thinking about and we wanted to pursue and it liberated us from a particular cycle that preservation has to engage in as a what you might call a traditional indie label but you know for me there's there's over 70 releases there and it stands as a body of work and you know it's still out there and people still enjoy it and people are still discovering the label we're just taking a break from that method of releasing things and chasing this style of release and this format and this concept which is a lot tighter and more concise to be able to to do what we love doing which is putting out interesting music if you've been running a label for that period of time you know particularly through 
this major kind of transition, I, I guess, that, is, that has happened from, from physical to digital and now even to streaming. Was there anything particularly that you saw in the kind of maybe the last kind of three or four years in the way that music was being consumed? Any kind of inherent changes that also kind of gave rise to this change in model as well? Essentially, Long Form Editions is a digital-only label because of the length of the pieces. It would be impossible for us to release all this stuff physically and it allows us to be really nimble i mean we're up to 20 pieces and in a week's time we'll have 24 and by the end of the year we'll we'll have close to 40 or something like that so it allows us to be really nimble and quick whereas with a traditional label you have to wait particular lengths of time to be able to release a full body of work I guess I had seen changes in the way people consume music and uh, some of those changes are for the better and some of those changes are for the worse, but what long-form editions is essentially taking those changes and using it to to the project's advantage. Uh, there's a visibility for digital releases at the moment. There's an interest in it. People are willing to listen to things digitally. So it allows for pieces of this sort I think especially at this length to to be released and get some kind of presence which is really what we need to be doing with a project like this. The way that we are driven to consume music is of course drifting more and more towards an algorithmic based discovery model. Was that something particularly that had sort of you know caught your eye and you wanted to kind of work against with long form auditions? We're not really necessarily rubbing up against anything but I think with streaming services and the algorithms that they have obviously it's an amazing kind of infrastructure and it offers a lot of benefits but they're limited in some ways like the pieces that you can access and listen to on long form editions are never going to be a part of those algorithms they don't match what the algorithms are built to do so what we wanted to do was create a reliable hub in a way that people go to streaming services and it's a reliable hub for what they think they want to hear and we just wanted to create a a space that was kind of similar but doing things differently and it's the curatorial element of a project like this that's first and foremost and coming from a radio background where I've been a music director at a radio station here in Sydney for well over 15 years it's the curatorial aspect and the person that's driving the radio shows that we have on that radio station that brings something new to the table every week if they're really good at what they do and those presenters are really good at what they do and that's you know uh multiplied across the world across many different radio stations it's that curatorial element that i was really seeking um to have with this kind of project and and buck against that trend of seeming streaming services where people just sort of sit back and rely on something to to deliver them something but there's probably a world of music that they are missing out on at the same time. So we're just filling a very, very, very tiny gap. And I guess, I mean, that, that ties in a little bit to uh, the kind of deep listening concept, which which we'll get to in a second. Because if you are kind of leaning back and letting the algorithm take over, you're paying far less attention to the choices that are being made for you, if you like. That's right, because it, it doesn't matter, you know, because, because it, it's just doing the work for you. So the active engagement with music. Music's an art form, you know, and, you know, it's something that, like, when you go to an art gallery and you look at a painting, you should take a little bit of time to engage with it and take out of it what you will. You may get nothing out of it. You may think it's a pile of crap. But at the same time, most people actually do spend a little bit of time engaging 
with a painting, if you like, to use that analogy, to, to draw something from it and they draw an opinion from it or a feeling from it. It provokes something in them. But streaming services can just allow things to wash over you and sometimes that's really great, sometimes that's really good, but I do think that something's being lost in that conversation, in that transaction with streaming services and I just felt that, you know, I would go to it not another extreme, not only with a curatorial element that a label traditionally has, but with uh, extended pieces that if you're going to jump in, you really do need to to give it your time because some of these pieces go up to an hour. The analogy that you talked about there of the art gallery is a good one insofar as when you enter into that contract at an art gallery, you've already carved out, I think, in your mind a specific amount of time. You know, I am going to be in this space for, um, you know, 30 minutes or, or, or two hours or, or what have you. You put yourself in a particular space to to be engaged. You're, you deliberately kind of dial down your anxieties and you try to dial down your pace in order to engage with what's in front of you. And I guess that's essentially what Long Form Editions is trying to do, that exact same methodology. That's right. Like you say, you're actually willing to go to the space you make that, attempt to go to the space and open yourself up and discover something new and that's really what the most fantastic thing about an art gallery that's continually evolving and changing and presenting new art from all over the world or older art from all over the world as well that's what they're doing and that's what we're really hoping for from long form editions it's not just just you know a presentation of, of music it's that ideal that you will actually step into a space and engage with it There are obviously there are two forms of listening. There's, there's that kind of unfocused listening where our ears are open and we're just hearing whatever is around us, whatever that is, and we may choose to kind of pick up on various different signals that that come our way. Or there's a very focused listening where you're very purposefully listening to uh, either to a conversation or or to a piece of music. One thing that the shift to streaming services has done, I think, is sort of take the focus away from the album and not an apologist or, or trying to be kind of, you know, nostalgic about formats, but, but the album format lent itself to deep listening insofar as there's a start and there's a middle if you turn it over, but there's a start and there's an end and it's 40 minutes and it's, and it's sequenced in a particular way and it sort of insists that you listen to it in a particular way, whereas the, when the tracks are dispersed as fragments across streaming services, that just disappears. So do you concur that, that the kind of, if you like, almost the death of the album has sort of in tandem with some sort of um, move away from that more intense listening? Yeah, I think I think you're talking about something you might describe as active listening as opposed to passive listening. You know, I think you and I are of a certain vintage, perhaps, Stuart, where <laughs> we, we bought albums and we engaged yeah. with albums and they were a body of work. They were a piece of art and, you know, they were a, a, some kind of statement of, of intent and, and focus, even if it's just a great, you know, power pop album. You know, there's a body of work there that represents 
somebody's state of mind and being and creativity. And I think that sometimes that can be lost when you're, you know, I think I think our attention spans, because we're in this kind of crazy congested world at the moment, um, we're being assaulted on all sorts of different levels. So it's easy for us to flick around. Mm. And um, yeah, I think you're right in that the album has to an extent been been lost as a, as a format for that kind of active listening, that kind of engagement. Um, the idea of deep listening, I think, goes a little bit further. Um, there's, you know, the experimental essence of it um, and it's uh, pieces of, of, you know, a singular nature that um, go for a, a, a quite an extended length of time to be able to really focus you in on 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 what's really a few elements of, of sound exploration. So it's 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 another thing altogether. But both of those things that you're talking about, I think, definitely tie in with what long form editions is about. Let's talk about deep listening then, because of course the concept itself stretches back centuries. But in, I think perhaps in this particular case that we're talking about deep listening, it's derived from Pauline Oliveros and her take on deep listening. Yeah, look, it's interesting because Pauline Oliveros and Eliane Radig, who are incredibly inspirational to me in the way that I've always listened to music and their work is just absolutely mammoth in that regard. But while they're kind of two of the kind of great referenced artists for something like deep listening, I only think of those artists as a springboard for what the artists are creating for long-form editions. And I, I sort of feel like they're in a different field that's probably in some respects even deeper than, than where we're going. But they're a great reference point for the idea of, of deeper listening or as one of the artists, Matt Chess, who contributed a piece on the most recent edition for long-form editions called Absorptive Hearing. And I think that uh, we're not looking for those artists as sort of ape the greats and, and their theories behind deep listening, but just take some of the qualities and the ideas behind it and produce something with that concept in mind of reinvigorating the, the idea of just listening a little harder and, and discovering something, that chance for revelation that I think that sometimes streaming services don't offer. Can you expand on that a little bit then in terms of um, once you've made your approaches to some of the artists what is the kind of brief that you give them i mean how prescriptive how open what what's what reference points are you giving them it's pretty open-ended essentially we give them the concept that idea that we've just discussed that long form editions is about producing a single piece of extended length we make a suggested minimum of around 20 minutes which is a little bit arbitrary but we just think it gives them the idea that we want something of some kind of substance when it comes to length you know, some of the pieces have come in under and as you know, some of them have come in well over 20 minutes and we don't really do much more specification than that. They seem to understand the concept really quickly and they get excited by it. Uh, a lot of artists don't necessarily work to a brief, so it's an interesting challenge for them and it's a very specific challenge because it's not asking them to produce a four or five minute song. It's asking them to produce a sort of more substantial piece of work with a particular concept in mind. So it's quite focused. So they really sort of enjoy that. But at the same time, it's open-ended and we're not really directing them around a particular style. So what comes in is as much a revelation to us as it may be 
for them. Some of them have really specific ideas, things that have been sort of circling around, you know, their brain for a while and um, they're interested to explore and this has given them the vehicle to do that. But some of them really take it on as something new and different and interesting. But but most of all, what's really made the project sing is the response by the artists to the concept itself. I mean, some of the people that have actually come to us and said, yeah, look, I think you're definitely correct in the way things are moving along with the way we engage with music and art in general. And I'd like to contribute to this project um, to try and address that. When an artist is approached to, you know, participate in, in a label, then it's based on an aesthetic and a, and a, you know, kind of manifesto or whatever, but not really given a brief to present a piece of music that has uh, confines around it. In terms of your curatorial approach, how have you gone about selecting the particular artists that are, that, that are featured? Are, are, I would imagine some are maybe quite accustomed to the type of work and perhaps others less so. It's probably a three-pronged uh, attack, if you like. <laughs> I haven't attacked anyone personally. <laughs> but um, look, it's a combination of uh, people that I've worked with before who I've, I've loved working with um, on preservation and I just thought that they'd be perfect for this and um, really had great pleasure working with them previously. And it's, a, as I said way back when, it's a more nimble transaction. It's not a full album that might take from go to woe six months to realise and then get into the releasing. And then there are people that uh, I've admired for a long time and find that this is a, a, a more possible way to work with them. These are people that, you know, are tied in with other labels. They've got their albums at the ready, uh, but they're interested in the project and they can contribute. So it's a chance for us to work with people whose work we've long admired and they can be a part of this series and bring a real presence and heft to the series. And then um, I've also used the series just to put myself on a voyage of personal discovery and really seek some interesting artists uh, to approach. And uh, some of those artists have already contributed and some of them will be contributing. We've only actually had one unsolicited release make the cut at this point. We've got a lot of submissions, but we're quite overwhelmed at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's just that, that three-way approach um, is is to just ask people to, to take part. And um, it, it's, it's interesting because I actually had a conversation with an artist who I approached a couple of days ago. And uh, one of the things we do say when we approach people is that it takes less commitment, less undertaking to engage with this project and commit to this project um, than you might with a typical album. And they came back to me and said, sure, I get what you're saying, but I'm an artist and I have major commitment to everything that I do. If a piece isn't up to scratch, uh, it will be deleted. So there's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. They know that it's not going to probably take them six months to realise a piece, but they do really throw themselves into it, I think, when they when they do it. And that's what I'm saying about the artists making this concept and this project really sing because all the pieces that we've got, I'm pretty sure that, that 99% of them are realised, especially for the project. So they're really putting a lot of effort into, into the project and the concept and, and really making it shine. Can we talk specifically about the 
Australian artists that you've got in the project, some of which have already seen the line of day, and I know that some are, are coming down the, uh, the long-form pipeline. Uh, I think about 20% of the artists so far are Australian, and we're, we're waiting on a few more. The next edition, it's got a piece from Kate Carr, who is someone who I've sort of listened to and studied from a from a distance and this was kind of the, the perfect way for us to intersect and, and work on something together and her piece is just a, a really interesting piece um, of her time in, in Saskatoon in Canada. So working backwards from there, I think um, we've also had um, Paul Mack and Andy Ranson who some of the audience may know as uh, more of a dance rave duo from the 90s called Itchy and Scratchy, but they had an ambient project called Screensaver for a while, which reared its head maybe two or three times, but only really, really short pieces. I'd actually approached Andy Ranson to take part in the project because uh, I'd really been enjoying some of the reissues of his digi-dub sort of stuff, so I wanted to see where he was at. But he he came back and said, look, I'd really like to try something with Paul Mack, which was a real surprise to me. And uh, they delivered something really quickly, which was a 33-minute piece called The Currawong Shall Return, which was their tribute to one of their favourite birds. And what they did was record a lot of um, birdsong, and they either put that in as it was, or they detuned it and, and stretched it and really kind of put this interesting spin or their reflection on nature, how it sometimes can take this eerie turn from what may be beautiful beginnings in the morning or something like that. So that is a really beautiful piece of music. One of the other Australian artists on there is Steam Vent. Tell me a little bit about them. Steam Vent is Del Lamanta, and they're out of Sydney. They're a really interesting character. All sorts of different projects, seemingly always recording, and sent me this piece, and I just fell in love with it. I just thought it was a really intriguing piece, something between a kind of a like trance minimal trance style sound and field recordings and just kind of combined in a very compelling weird intriguing way but really worked as a whole and and just I I just found it hung in the air in this strange way that I just couldn't stop listening to and I was really happy to have their piece as as part of the, the project.
Um, we've also had Felicity Mangan, uh, who is an artist based in Berlin. And Felicity is is really interesting in that she plays her archive of uh, Australian animal sounds. And she had been working on a piece called uh, Stereophrogic, where she was basically playing vocal sounds from frogs and other native animals from Australia, such as insects, and composing them into a piece which kind of creates this illusory uh, feeling about nature and sort of puts you in a field, but you're not in the field, if you know what I mean, and, and uh, makes you think about sounds that you might, when on a nature walk, be kind of casually hearing, but really enlarges them and engorges them and creates this kind of very sensory, almost sensual kind of piece. It's a very visceral piece of music that a lot of people have responded to fantastically, um, just a really brilliant piece of music that you wouldn't necessarily call electronic, but it's just pure field recording but composed in a way that you might think of electronic music. If you look more broadly at culture, you can see concepts such as kind of mindfulness coming to bear. You know, that's that's now a phrase that is very kind of widely known and accepted, whereas maybe five or ten years ago, much less so. Meditation is now very kind of central and mainstream, whereas even ten years ago, perhaps a bit less so. Unfortunately, I think when people kind of explore those concepts and and they hit a kind of musical element, the music that tends to be they tends to run alongside those things in parallel is often pretty bad. You know, it's often pretty cheesy. In fact, we we might call it kind of chill or or that kind of stuff. And it'd be hard to find somebody that would give it any kudos. I think in, in terms of the kind of quality of a lot of that music. Do you think there's a space for people who are exploring those sort of concepts to sort of lean towards 
projects like this. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think it was Duke Ellington. He said there's there's only good music and bad music. There's no in between. And this is the thing. I think, you know, what you're saying about, you know, music that soundtracks are like a bank ad or, or a day spa or something like that. It gets lumped in with new age music or ambient music, which a lot of long form editions style sounds kind of draw upon. And some of it's not very good but there's not very good rock and there's not very good pop and there's not very good hip-hop and there's not very good jazz and all that kind of stuff and I think that that seems to rise to the top as like you know seriously bad and always gets a really bad rap but I think that's changing I think that's changing today because I think that this music is becoming more and more necessary in our listening sphere just as a kind of relief or respite and I think that that long-form editions at least in the short time that it's been going, we're getting a lot of people commenting in that way, like um, getting a lot of people using it for meditation, um, getting a lot of people... I got an email from a guy who said that he it is the soundtrack to his Pilates workout in the morning. That's great. That's fine, you know, and, and he's enjoying it, you know, and he's enjoying the music as well. And however people want to enjoy the music is fine. If it's just on in the background... That's great as well, but that's partly the benefit of this music. You can just have it on in the background while you're getting about your daily life, and it, I think it does definitely help with a kind of focus and a, a kind of mindfulness. And, you know, that might sound really cheesy, but, you know, I think that music is a very malleable art form, and I think that sometimes you want zen, and sometimes you want punk, and sometimes you want noise because it takes you to a particular place. And wherever it takes you, that's cool. And I think that long-form editions and this kind of stuff is actually um, quite pertinent at this point in time. I think that um, that's why I think ambient music's on the rise and a lot of it is being taken from those kind of uh, cheesy, uh, not beginnings, but that that kind of cheesy outlay and taking it somewhere else and making it substantial because people see the value in it. Can you talk to us a little bit about the nature of the design for long form editions because it's fairly central, I think, to to the project. Yeah, so I work on long form editions with Mark Gowing, who I've worked with on preservation and a lot of other projects. Great friend, amazing designer, really at the top of the tree, globally speaking, with what he does and. Uh, he's as much as an inspiration for for me to actually pursue projects like long form editions than you know than, than as much as anything else. The design is is essentially kind of part practical and 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 part creativity. Uh, so we wanted to create a design template which would be easy for us to roll out. So every edition, which is every two months, which is a fair bit of work. Um, we didn't want to have to reinvent the wheel each time. And we'd had a little bit of um, experience with this, working with some limited edition releases that Preservation um, put out, the Circa label. Uh, and, and Mark's uh, specialty with design is typography. So he creates an alphabet. Um, so essentially, once the alphabet's created, which is essentially abstract shapes and 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 things like that uh he just spells out the name of the artist and their and the title of their track to create the artwork so it creates a bit of a sense of unity and it makes everything kind of for want of a better word of putting it uniform because you know if you had you know every artist had a, a very different like a photograph for one thing and a, it would just be a mess i think it just wouldn't have that cohesion that i think this project needs and mark's really good at unifying a whole bunch of different artists and different work into one cohesive whole that that really sort of speaks 
centrally to the project. So we've also taken the design further where we've got uh, video artworks. So we take that typography for each artwork and uh, the videos that we've created are basically generated by the music. So when as the music moves, it it's generated by the sounds the music makes and, and the typography will appear in the video. So we've, we've changed up the, the video element from um, our website on longformeditions.com as well. So it's, it's a bit of fun and it's also about identity as well, which has always been really important for us. I mean, when you're doing any kind of music project, you really need a presence, especially all the way here in Australia. One thing we learned um, by doing preservation and all the crazy fold-out covers that we used to make um, was that, some people thought that we we're absolutely nuts, but some people actually discovered us that way because we really stuck out. And I think there are so many labels doing so many great things. You need something like that, especially when you're not really part of a network in Europe or the US to actually be seen. It actually demands um, more attention to the design because as you look at, let's say, the last four releases together, you're sort of looking at them trying to kind of work out what the differences are, what the similarities are, and sort of trying to kind of see the pattern that kind of runs between them. And having something, you know, singular on its own obviously doesn't sort of lend itself to that. Um, so I like that approach because when you see it as a whole, as a body of work, it has a, that other layer on top of it. That's um, right. All these pieces are of a whole. And uh, what we want from long form editions is to be a reliable hub for music that, you know, you can come to and spend. 20, 30, 40 minutes with just one concentrated piece of music by one artist or four in a row, if you like, whatever time you've got or want to offer. Uh, and, and the artwork is reflecting that as well. track we're listening to there is Stereo Frogic from Felicity Mannion, coming off the back of my discussion with Long Form Editions founder Andrew Kaduri. You're listening to Out From Under, and for the second half of this week's programme, we're going to listen to a full-length piece commissioned for Long Form Editions by Sydney artist and musician Del Lumanta, performing here as Steam Vent. Dell also writes and performs in many other music projects, such as Gas, Video Easy, Skyline, and many more. And they also facilitate All Girl Electronic, a free electronic music production workshop for young women, trans and non-binary youth in Western Sydney. Now, this piece we're going to hear next is called Swells and was composed on an extended trip outside of Dale's hometown of Sydney, decamping to Melbourne and Brisbane and experiencing the attendant restlessness and homesickness that comes with such extended retreats. This is Steam Vent and a piece called Swells on Out From Under.
For the second half of this week's Out From Under, we've been listening to a piece called Swells from Sydney artist Steamvent, commissioned by the Deep Listening Collective Longform Editions. You can find Longform Editions at longformeditions.com as well as on Bandcamp and most streaming platforms. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks to Andrew from Longform Editions and also thanks to Peter and the team at Resonance Extra. You can find program notes at bit.ly slash outfromunderradio. That's bit.ly slash outfromunderradio. And if you missed any of the episodes in this, our second season, you can find them all available as podcasts on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Out From Under. You can keep in touch with the program by following me on Facebook at Stu Buchanan AU. I also post on Twitter and Instagram as Stuart Buchanan. Next episode is here in seven days. Until then, I'm Stu Buchanan. Thanks for listening to Out From Under. <laughs>